What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 31 of Tennis Talk. My name is Cam Williams, and we are going to go through the week in tennis. We've got a couple of good stories this week. Obviously, we're going to talk about Nick Kyrgios. I think we talk about him every other week. Uh, we're also going to go through the tournament that's coming up this week in Winston-Salem. Only tournament this week, which is kind of strange, but it is the lead-up to the U.S. Open. A lot of players that are getting serious for the U.S. Open don't play the week before. Uh, U.S. Open's next week, so get excited for that. And we can also talk about what's happened this week, uh, sorry, last week in Cincinnati. Uh, Djokovic lose, uh, loses to Medvedev. Federer loses to Rublev. Um, and we've got a little bit of a different final that we can talk about. Finals getting played tomorrow, so we don't have the results for that yet. Uh, but we can still go through the rankings. There have been some changes. Speaking of rankings... Let's go check it out now. We'll go through the rankings for uh, for this week as of right now. So, all right. So as you can see, you've got uh, Zverev going up one spot, and Shikori goes down one spot. They're dead even on score. So you you know, I mean, you can flip a coin either player. I think Zverev gets it for some reason, uh, but both players are dead even. Then you've got Medvedev, career high number seven. He goes up one spot. Pass drops down one spot, and that's not including the final tomorrow. So if he wins the Masters one thousand event tomorrow. He could be as high as number five in the world uh, after winning that final. So that'd be really good for him to see that. Uh, then you've got Roberto Batista, a good getting to the top 10 for the first time in his career. He's number 10 in the world. Fanini drops down one. Uh, besides that, Goffin, he gets back into number 15. He's playing really well. He's in the final tomorrow against Medvedev uh, in Cincinnati. So that's his first Masters 1000 final. Good for him. Uh, Del Potro drops down. Uh, Anderson drops down as well because those guys have uh, obviously been injured. Uh, also, you've got uh, Chilich drops down to number 23 in the world. He's starting to, his season's still going pretty badly. Uh, Oje Eliassime gets into the top 20 for the first time at number 19, uh, which is good to see. And also, Pella gets a career high number 20 in the world. Also good to see that. Uh, let's go down a little bit further, see how many people, if there's anyone with big uh, big drops or anything like that. As you can see, Gasquet, he goes up 22 spots to number 34. He's very close to being seeded at the US Open. I'd expect he probably will be. He might get that last number 32 seed at the US Open, which will be good. It means he will avoid the big players in the first couple of rounds. He gets to uh, number 22 with a good week in Cincinnati this week. If we go down a little bit further, uh, Rublev is into the top 50 again. He goes up 20 to 23 in the world. Sorry, sorry, he goes up 23 spots to number 47 in the world, uh, not tw number 23 just yet. Uh, but besides that, I think that's pretty much it for the top for the top 50. Kachmanovic gets into number 49, top 50 for the first time. Really good young player. Watch out for him in the future as well. Let's go look at the race to London now. All right, so as you can see, uh, we've got two people qualified already. Federer, uh, sorry, Nadal and Djokovic. Federer is not that far behind, only 200 points behind. He should qualify after the US Open. Uh, Dominic Team's very close as well. But look at Daniel Medvedev, number five in the race to London. Medvedev, Tsitsipas, RBA. You would you would say that they probably had the best years outside of the uh, the top three. Those guys, it's a pretty pretty competitive field as well because RBA and Medvedev have both beaten Djokovic twice this year. And also, um, you know, Tsitsipas beating Federer earlier this year. Team uh, up against Rafa could be interesting. So there's a lot of good matches. And then Nishikori rounds out the eight. I mean, maybe put Zverev in there, but I, it's going to be a long shot for him. But um, I think that's a pretty competitive race for London. If you had uh, maybe number eight spot, you can change a couple of players there. But that's a solid top eight, especially because... Medvedev and RBA have both beaten Djokovic twice each this year. That could be really fun to watch them in the round robin stage against Djokovic and also against Rafa and, and Federer as well. So a lot of uh, a lot of interesting matches we could be seeing in London at the end of the year. Let's go now to the next-gen tournament. 
which is obviously played the uh, the week before in uh, in London before in Milan. Uh, before London's played. City Pass is clearly leading that. City Pass won't play it if he qualifies for London. So uh, Oje Aliassime is the number one at the moment. Alex Dimonor is also in contention there. He was in there last year. He got the final last year, so he did well. Shapovalov, TFO, Rud, Kecmanovic, and Humbert all... Uh, Umber, sorry, uh, all are qualified, uh, sorry, all in qualification. And then you've got guys like uh, Mutet and Yamer, Poprin and Sinner are all in contention as well if they have good seasons for the rest of the year. So it could be a little bit more competitive this year. Last year it was City Pass and everybody else. This year it could be a little bit closer. Oje Aliassim, we all know what he's been up to this year. Uh, Dimonor's been playing well since uh, coming back from injury. Shapovalov can do well as well. TFO, good, uh, Rud, and also Kecmenovic are all competitive as well. So that could be a fun tournament to watch this year um, as opposed to last year's where it's kind of been one really good player and everybody else playing in that tournament. So can't wait for that one as well. All right. So that is the rankings for this week. Let's go straight into breaking news. Now, there have been some stories. There hasn't been too many stories this week, but there's been some big ones. So we'll go through the five stories that I've found during the week. Make sure you comment down below if I've missed anything or just comment you know, what you think about these stories. So let's go to the breaking news. We'll start with the biggest one, of course, uh, is the, uh, the obvious one. All right, so we start with Nick Kyrgios. Now, uh, again, <laughs> does this every week. Um, so he started off this, you know, he played Hashinov, if you didn't know the story, he played Hashinov uh, and got a little bit abusive to the umpire and there's been calls to have him banned. He got fined a lot of money. Uh, you know, a lot of things happened during the week through his outburst. We all know that he does this every other week, so no surprise, but kind of the way he went about it was a little bit worse than normal, uh, which is why he got fined. Uh, the problem tennis faces after ugly Nick Kyrgios outburst. Um, he was slugged with a $167,000 fine. That's Australian dollars. I think it was like $135,000 US. Uh, labeled a disgrace and a brat um, by a lot of people. He's a, you know, I'm a Kyrgios fan, so it's hard to defend him in this case. I'm not going to try. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people want him banned. I don't think that's the right move. Banning Kyrgios is... He's kind of just you're kind of ruining the game a little bit. Even though having him banned for, a, like someone said, a year, which is kind of a bit much. If you get Kyrgios away for a year, that means you get a, a year worth of people not watching tennis because they watch him for his craziness, right? Putting a ban, putting a ban on him would not be, make sense. Ban people that have been cheating. Cheaters need to be banned. Kyrgios isn't a cheater. He is just very outspoken and very, you know, a brat, most people say. Find him. That's that's as you know. That's what you should do with this situation, which is what they did. Hopefully, they don't ban him. Um, otherwise, you're just going to be screwing tournaments that have him on their roster. Uh, and if you ban him, then uh, those those tournaments lose revenue because he brings people to the tennis. So I don't think they should ban him. Let me know in the comments below. I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on Kyrgios. Um, I think he's good for the game. He's not a good role model. Definitely not a good role model. Don't do what he does. But he definitely is good for tennis overall. He brings people to the game. People are talking about him, talking about tennis because of him. And that's a good thing. Good or bad, people are talking about tennis. People are watching the US Open now because they want to watch Kyrgios. Whereas a lot of people might not have watched it. Uh, like a lot of casual people might not have watched it uh, if he wasn't playing. So he is bringing eyes to the sport, which is good for the sport. He's not good as a role model to play tennis, but he's good for watching tennis. 
if that makes sense. Let me know in the comments down below if you agree or disagree with that. Uh, let's go now to the second story of the week. This is more, not so much a story, this is more of a top 10 list, uh, as you can see. Speaking of Kyrgios, who got the biggest fine, I think, in tennis history, uh, in terms of uh, money fine. Uh, let's go through the biggest, the top 10 biggest fines in tennis history. So let's start with Serena Williams at number 10. Uh, that was happening, that was last year, actually. So $17,000. Uh, we all know what happened in the final with Osaka. She yelled at the umpire. She was, you know, uh, you know, dis she felt disrespected by the umpire, and there's a big, big thing going on there. Um, I don't really want to get too much into it, but, you know, she... Um, you know, she she was very outspoken against the umpire. She got fined for that. Uh, then you got John McEnroe. No surprise. Uh, he got a seventeen thousand seventeen and a half thousand dollar fine um, in a match uh, during his career, and he was also suspended for two months, which is kind of crazy. Uh, you would think. Uh, then Boris Becker. So these these are all the biggest champions of the game are getting fined. So you know, just because Curious gets fined doesn't mean he's a one off, and nobody ever does. Uh, Williams. McEnroe, Becker, all been fined in their careers. Uh, Becker got fined uh, $20,000 uh, for a false accusation on his opponent. So he must have lied about something and got fined for it. Uh, Medvedev, who's, you know, started to turn his season around or turn his career around in the last season, uh, he got a fine of $26,000 uh, at Wimbledon um, for code violations. So, you know... You see that guys that even play with Curious right now are still getting fined. Fanini, he is number six on the list. He got $27,000 fine at Wimbledon in 2014 um, for smashing rackets into the court. Uh, Wimbledon get a bit precious about their court, so if you do that, you do get in trouble a lot if you bounce your racket on the court. Uh, Jeff Tarango. Not sure. I've never really heard of him. He got fined because of he got fined $43,000 at Wimbledon uh, for telling spectators to shut up <laughs> and he said that the umpire was corrupt so uh got a violation for that forty three thousand dollars back in 95 is pretty pretty bad uh back then uh david abandon he got fined sixty nine thousand dollars for queen's club uh, he kicked a uh, kicked advertising that was next to the lines person and he actually broke the advertising kicked the lines person in the shin the line person i thought overreacted a little bit go watch the footage it's pretty funny um the lines person felt like I felt like he was playing up a little bit, uh, and Nalbandian got like got that was a final of Queens Club as well. He got defaulted. Uh, Chilich won the title, and he got fined sixty nine thousand dollars as well. So uh, unlucky for him. Uh, Bernard Tomic, no surprise, he got fined eighty thousand uh, dollars for not trying um, this year. That that actually happened this year, which is no surprise. He doesn't really try very hard ever. So uh, yeah, you know maybe ban him. <laughs> we all know my feelings about him. Uh, anyway, so Serena Williams, she got fined $82,000 back in uh, 2009 uh, for threatening a lines person, saying that she was going to shove a ball down the lines person's throat, which is a bit aggressive. Uh, and that was the most besides this one. So when you look at these look at these fines, obviously Kira's having the most, over $100,000, uh, and that was this week. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of... Wait, was that this week? No, sorry, that was... Sorry. Apologies. $113,000. This one was for the Italian Open when he threw the chair. We all know about that. Uh, so this, these are the top 10 up until this week. This week, uh, he, he beat his own record. Yay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, um, you know, with these antics, like I said, if you're a cheater, you do match, you match fix, you don't try in a match because that can be construed as match fixing. 
or you take drugs to enhance your performance, you should be banned because that is cheating. If you yell at umpires, throw your rackets, throw chairs, as long as you don't hurt anyone, if you hurt somebody, then yeah, okay, maybe you should get suspended because you physically hurt somebody. But if you're just verbally abusing somebody, especially the umpire who probably should be used to it because it's their job, I think a fine is enough. I don't think you should be banned. Uh, if, like I said, if you ban Kyrgios, you're hurting tennis more than helping it. You know, uh, your people. If you banned, if you banned Kyrgios for the U.S. Open, you would lose a lot of ticket sales who would only want to watch him. So, I don't think he should be banned. Fine him. That's fine. He's got a lot of money, so definitely fine him. But uh, don't ban him. Anyways, they were the top ten. Let's go to the second story. Let's go to a little bit of a nicer. Well, let's go to a little bit of a different story. A Federer story. So we've got Rublev. Audrey Rublev, come out of nowhere. He's had a really good month, so a lot of people think this is a shock. But he actually played really well against team on uh, clay courts a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you hardcore fans will know what I'm talking about. Uh, he dominated team in that match, and uh, he dominated Federer in this match. So Rublev was very clean. He was everywhere. So Federer gives credit to Rublev, uh, and that's what we should be doing with this match. Federer played well, but Rublev played so much better um, and really destroyed Federer. Uh, as you can see, I played 45 matches this year, so I think I should be fine. We've got to remember, Federer has played the clay court season for the first time in three year, four years. So he's played a lot more matches than he would have to this point. Uh, and that's mainly because he chose to play the clay court season because he lost a lot of points at the start of the year, whatever, whatever. But he's played a lot of matches. So don't expect Federer to do crazy, amazing things at the US Open. Don't expect him to win the US Open for sure. Uh, maybe make the quarterfinals, but don't expect too much from Federer going into the end of the season. He's had a longer season this season than most. Anyways, back to the story. Rublev, uh, uh, Rublev said, I think this is Rublev. Uh, here we go. Federer praised Rublev's clutch tennis as the main reason for the result. So Federer gave credit to the guy who uh, I believe if he was healthy uh, over the last couple of years, he would be up in the top 20 just like Hashinov and Medvedev who are also Russian, um, which is really interesting. If you want to go check out this article, you can click the link down below. But yeah, Federer praised Rublev for his play. And if you watch the highlights, Rublev was ridiculous. He was crazy good. So go check that out. Um, and that's, you know, it's good to see Rublev back. He was one of the next-gen players. With He was around with Zverev, uh, Sitsipas a little bit as well, Medvedev, Hashinov. He was one of those guys. And you can all see they're all in the top 10. And because of injury, he got kind of kicked out of that, of that group. But... He's starting to do what we thought he could do back two or three years ago, or sorry, one or two years ago. So good to see Rublev back. Watch out! Watch out for him at the uh, U.S. Open. Unseeded, very scary opponent for any first-round seed. Uh, watch out for him at the U.S. Open. Let's go to the fourth story of the year. Now we're going to the women's tennis. Naomi Osaka knee injury puts U.S. Open title defense in doubt. Now number one in the world. Ash Barty couldn't reclaim that this week, so she is number one in the world. Is uh, Osaka? She pulled out this week with a knee injury. Uh, from her match against Keenan, uh, two love in the third set. You can see there she pulled out with the knee injury. She's the defending champion, world number one at the U.S. Open. It's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for her to back it up. I think mentally it's going to be tough, but with an injury as well, it's going to be even tougher. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she lost early at the U.S. Open. But uh, yeah, she said that I really don't know what's going on with my leg right now. It sucks, especially since I didn't want to be injured this close to the Open. I'm a little worried. Uh, yeah, pain tolerance is really high. Uh, so that's a good thing, I guess, for her. But yeah, um, very, very scary stuff. If you are an Osaka fan, defending champion, world number one, going into the US Open with an injury. Also, 
has admitted to uh, to not loving tennis since the Australian Open. So a little bit of mental uh, mentality going on as well. So not looking good to defend her crown. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if she actually uh, loses early. And maybe she pulls out, if the knee is that bad, she might pull out the rest of the year, uh, try and recover and start fresh next year, mentally and also physically, which would probably be a smart move for her if uh, if the knee is bothering her that bad. Don't play on a hurt knee with a bad mindset. Just go away and come back fresh next year. But that's what's happening with Osaka. Fingers crossed she's healthy, though, going into the US Open. And the last story of the week is a little bit more of an off-court story. It's nothing really to do with tennis, and it's a nice story. We've had a little bit of a heavy... Heavy stories this week because of injuries and badness. So let's finish on a high note. Rafa Nadal is getting married, apparently in October. So that's good. Go Rafa. He's been with uh, with his girlfriend. I think it's uh, Cheska. Is that how I pronounce it? I probably butchered that. Uh, she's been around forever, it seems. She's always in the stands. Uh, she never used to be in the stands, but now she's always in the stands. Um, and they are apparently getting married in October, which is good to see. Uh, this year, so what, in a couple of months, a couple of weeks, two months or so. So good to see Rafa getting married. 33-year-old Rafa, she's 31. Um, they've been together for apparently 14 years, which is, is kind of crazy. That's a long time. But obviously, he's been a professional tennis player. It's probably hard to get married uh, to somebody if you're uh, if they're always traveling. So that makes sense. Um, then Rising Tent 19-year-old kept it a secret, uh, and the media caught it in 2008. So, you know, they, were, they kept their relationship secret for a while. Obviously, now it's well-known. We all know her. Um, we all see it. We don't know her, but we, we see her in, uh, you know, in the uh, in the coach's box pretty much every big tournament. We'll probably see her at the US Open. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and it was reported that they went to school together. So high school sweethearts, lovely story to finish with. Uh, Rafa gets married in October, apparently. I'm sure it'll be all hush-hush, all very under undercover nobody will be you know no photos any of that stuff but good to see that rafa is getting married 33 he's 33 years old so um and he's been with her for 14 years so you think it's probably about time that they tied the knot all right so that is the breaking news of the week let me know anything down below if i missed uh, i know andy murray's playing this week but we talked about that last week so we will talk about that very soon in the draw but uh, yeah, make sure you comment down below if I missed anything. Also, if you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you come over to YouTube and, and, and voice your opinion over there because that's what I read. Uh, okay, let's go into the only tournament of the week, which is at Winston-Salem. And it's an ACP 250, so it's not worth that much, but it's the last chance for a lot of players to get some form going into the US Open. All right, we are here in Winston-Salem uh, at the Winston-Salem Open in North Carolina, USA. Uh, like I said, it's the only tournament that's being played this week. Uh, it's an ATP 250, so it's not worth that much, which is probably why not many players are playing. Uh, but there are players that I think should have played, which is kind of weird. You know, guys like Tsitsipas, Zverev, Team, just to get that little bit of extra hit up before the US Open. Defending champion, Daniel Medvedev. Now, he's not going to be playing because he has made his third final in a row. Uh, on hardcourt. So he doesn't need to play and get any form. He's probably the most informed player going into the US Open uh, if you look at all the results he's had. So uh, Medvedev defending champion. This is a huge tournament for a small tournament. Which sounds weird to say that out loud, but it's a, it's a massive... It's a, it's a lot of buys in the first round uh, for a lot of players. So let's go straight into the top half of the draw. It's four quarters in this draw, uh, which is crazy. So as you can see, number one seed is Benoit Paire. Uh, he gets a buy in the first round as all uh, 16... You got that right. 16 seeds uh, get a buy in the first round, which is kind of crazy, but uh, you know, every tournament's different. 
Uh, Gunnis Wearen versus Steve in the first round there. They'll play the winner. The winner will play Pear. Um, Wine, Weintraub? I've never heard of him in my life. Uh, he plays a qualifier in the first round. Qualifying is almost finished. I think it finishes today, so uh, they'll all be put, uh, sorted out. Uh, then you've got the winner of that plays Umber, Umber in the in the uh, second round. You've got Corino Buster. He plays the winner of Choppel versus Klizan. He also he gets a buy in the first round, as they all do. Um, Hyung, uh, Hyung, Hyang. He gets a qualifier in the first round. Winner of that plays Sonigo, the number 17, 7 seed. So that should be interesting to see. I think Hyung actually is a good young player. He played really well at the French Open, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting to see. So, not really any big blockbuster first-round matches, just because all the seeds get to play in the second round. They all get a free pass. So, uh, no real blockbusters there. And also, it's a smaller tournament, and not as many good players are playing. Uh, you know, as good players, when I say good, I mean top you know, top tier players playing. Uh, Be you know, Benoit Pair is good, but he's not the he's not in the top ten. Let's go to the second part of the draw now. So you've got Souza, the number four seed, and he'll play the winner of Kudla versus Hase. Uh, you've got Bublek versus Chekinato. Now that could be a fun match. Bublek's a very fun player to watch, so uh, maybe circle that one as one to watch. Winner of that play is John Milman, who's the 14th seed. Kasper Rudd, number 12 seed, he'll play the winner of Harris or Munair. That's a good match too. Harris versus Munair is an interesting match as well. Uh, two good young players who've had pretty good seasons this year. Uh, and Rudd, of course, has had a really has had a good season as well. Uh, Johnson versus Mutet, another one. Mutet is one to watch. He's a really good uh, good young player in the in uh, contention for the next gen tournament at the end of the year. Watch out for him. Winner of that match plays number five seed Dan Evans, who seems to be on a little bit of a comeback from uh, from that I think suspension that he had. So um, you know, good to see Dan Evans doing well. Third part of the draw, Krajanovic, the number eight seed. He'll play the winner of Seppi versus Burdic. Now, we haven't seen Burdic for so long, uh, or we haven't seen him do well for so long. Uh, and Seppi is also a veteran of the tour, so that could be a fun match to watch. Uh, Burdic has a big chance here to get some momentum before the US Open. Could be a sneaky, unseeded player as well. Winner of that obviously plays Krajanovic, number eight seed. Qualifier versus Shardy. Winner of that plays TFO, the number 10 seed, who's been pretty disappointing uh, since probably since the Australian Open at the start of the year where he played uh, really well. Hasn't played too well since then. Uh, Feliciano uh, Lopez is the number 16. He'll play the winner of Ander Anduha and Jarry. So that could be a fun match. Uh, Lee versus Laxanen. Uh, the winner of that will play Hercatch, who's the number three seed. Hercatch is one to watch. He is a dangerous player, so he might actually sneaky win this tournament. Watch out for him. He's very similar to Hashinov and Medvedev and Tsitsipas. Really tall, like the modern-day player. You know, six foot four, can move around the court, big serve, good ground strokes, can volley. Hercatch, watch out for him in this tournament. And the last part of the draw, you've got Sam Query, number six seed. He'll play the winner of Bayana or a qualifier. Uh, maybe Query could do some sneaky work here as well. He's a good player in front of his home crowd. Uh, then you've got Rublev versus Fabiano. Now, watch out for Rublev. Obviously, beating Federer last week, comes into this week. Hopefully, he can do some work here, but I... I think the smart move would be for him to not win and and save himself for the US Open. So uh, maybe he you know he might do well, but uh, if he makes if he wins the whole thing, it's going to hurt his US Open chances. So or US Open you know run. So uh, we'll see what happens. The winner of Fabiano versus Rublev versus Ramos Vanoles, the number nine seed, a good clay court player. So we'll see how he converts the game. Uh, Ketchmenovic, number 13 seed, versus Poprin or uh, Montero. So we could get a couple of young players between Poprin and Ketchmenovic play. That could be a next-gen 
finals match that uh, that happens later in the year. So that could be fun to watch. And then Sangreen versus Andy Murray. So Andy Murray is back for the second match of his comeback to singles. Uh, he plays Sangreen, which is a good little match to play. Uh, Sangreen, no disrespect, but he's not the best player in the world. Uh, he's number 70 or 80 in the world. He's a decent player, but he's no... You know, he's not as hard as Gasquet was last week for Murray. So Murray might get a win. Winner of that match versus number two seed Shapovalov. Murray versus Shapo would be so good. They're super intense. Uh, that could be really fun to watch. Uh, and especially if Murray's playing well. Uh, that could be really fun to watch. Circle that. Watch out for Andy Murray. We've got Rublev and Murray in this part of the draw. Watch for those guys. Uh, they could do something uh, here also. Shapo and, and Query are very good as well. And like I said, Poprin and Kecmanovic. This is probably the most exciting part of the draw for me. Uh, and, and maybe the winner of this tournament comes out of this part of the draw. So definitely watch out for all of those players in that tournament there. So th that, was, that was the only tournament of the week, which is uh, kind of crazy. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of tennis over the last couple of weeks. Um, not as many tournaments as usual, but we've had a lot of good matches in the last couple of weeks. And um, yeah, make sure you, uh, you definitely watch some of those matches during the week, and we'll be, uh, we'll be keeping a good eye on those for next week's Tennis Talk as well. All right, so that is it for Tennis Talk this week. It's been a quick one, not too many big stories during the week, and also no tournaments to talk about. So uh, that is pretty much it for today, but thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Don't forget to like the video. Comment down below, did I miss any stories? Who are you excited to see at the US Open? Who do you think is going to be uh, one of the players to watch at the US Open? I'm keen to watch Medvedev. Um, let me know in the comments down below. Do you think anyone has a chance outside the top three of winning the U.S. Open based on their form over the last few months, uh, especially you know the last couple of weeks in those big tournaments? Uh, that's why Medvedev is one of my favorites to watch at the moment. Uh, make sure you comment down below. Don't forget to like the video. Subscribe if you haven't already. And I will see you all next week for Tennis Talk, episode 32.